have some military discipline in here? Good idea, Frank. Lieutenant Roger Jess. Why? It looks perfectly all right to me. Due to the number of people bored last Sunday, next Sunday will be canceled. Uh, what's that? It's French. Oh, no wonder you smell like a snail. Ha uh ha. -huh. Did you, uh, hear the rumor that peace talks might be starting? Don't even think it. Time for another episode of the MASH 4077 Podcast. I'm Kenny, and I'm here today with my good friends, Meds. Gentlemen. Al. Hiya, pals. Harry. Hi, guys. And Joyce. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 12, Dear Dad. This was directed by Gene Reynolds, written by Larry Gilbart. This is production code J313. Original air date, December 17th, 1972. Dear Dad, a lull. At last, after almost three straight days of meatball surgery. 70 hours of sewing kids together. If this keeps up, I was thinking of asking the Army for a raise. Either that or putting on some lipstick and earrings and getting a discharge. And we had some terrific guest stars in this episode, including Jamie Farr as Corporal Maxwell Klinger makes his return to the series. Yeah, I was glad to see him back. Yeah, uh, Deesa Cleveland once again back as Lieutenant Ginger Bayliss. And we have Bonnie Jones once again as Lieutenant Barbara Bannerman. And Elizabeth Dean as Becky. The only other credit she has is in the TV movie The Scarecrow. Uh, William Catt as Private First Class. Now, uh, William auditioned for the role of Luke Skywalker, acting opposite Kurt Russell, who was up for the role of Han Solo. And William's most notable role was as Ralph Hinckley in the brilliant TV show The Greatest American Hero. He's still acting in uh, several projects out in 2011. Great theme tune, that uh, Greatest American mm -hmm. Hero. Yeah, yeah. Though definitely, definitely very, very cool series. I used to love watching that. We have uh, we have uh, Buck Young as MP, another actor who pops up in Quincy. Buck unfortunately passed away in 2000 at the age of 79. And another credited guest star is William Christopher as Father Francis Mulcahy. To bring you up to date on my co-pilot, Trapper, as I wrote you earlier, he's developed a thriving, very lucrative private practice on the side over here. On a good day, he collects about 50 or 60 smiles, the kind you never forget. Uh, plot summary for this one then. In the first of the Dear Dad episodes, Hawkeye's letters home to his father details Christmas in Korea. Radar ships a jeep home to Iowa, one piece at a time, and Henry presents the monthly medical lecture on sex, only to be heckled. Trapper helps deliver a calf, and Frank berates Klinger for wearing a bandana, and Klinger responds with physical violence. Hawkeye and Trapper sabotage Margaret's tent as a prank, and Hawkeye even flies to the front line in a Santa suit in order to help a wounded soldier. Nice to you, Corporal Klinger. Not now, Father. I gotta see the Major. Is that a grenade? That's what it is, Father. A live grenade? I thought I'd stick it in the Major's ear and find out. Give it to me. Don't touch me or you're gonna be a lot of little priests. Klinger? He broke the bottles. The nurse won them in the lab. I 
can't take this off. Something will happen to me. Klinger, stop. Let us step, and I'll take us both out. He's tired. We're all tired. You tired too? I can't get to sleep unless I count sacrificial sheep. Give me the grenade. Please. Can I keep my bandana? I guarantee it. It's from my mind, you know. She said never take it off. No reason why you should. <laughs> None at all. All right, so let's go ahead and start talking about this episode. You want to start us off? Joyce. Um, I just liked the way that, you know, it was a, the chilly December day with Hawkeye sharing his day with his dad and how they were all trying to get into the Christmas spirit with what little resources they had, mm-hmm. like decorating the Christmas tree with the medical instruments. Mm-hmm. It's looking good, Red. Wait till it's finished. And stringing popcorn in the um, the post op. Father Mulcahy is stringing popcorn all over the place in an attempt to give this cesspool a yuletide look. He's a terrific guy, our priest. But I never tell him because I don't want to foul up his humility. Yeah, so that's really all I have. <laughs> cool. How about how about you, Al? What do you have to say about this episode? Well, I like the fact that uh, Jamie Farr was in this one. Um, I really do. I, I, I thought Jamie Farr brought a lot to this uh, to the series when they brought him on board, and um, I enjoyed. You know, I really enjoyed this episode. I love the way that Hawkeye is uh, is talking with his dad, and he's you know he he actually says out loud what we've all known for a few episodes now and that's they that they use humor to kind of diffuse this um this situation of uh of war for them mm-hmm. uh in fact he says that um that joking around is their way of defending themselves against cracking up um and you know that's the entire theme of the whole series mm-hmm. if jokes seem sacrilegious in an operating room i promise you they're a necessary defense against what we get down here at this end of the draft board Definitely. Um, yeah, and, and I like <laughs> like the fact that Radar is uh, methodically stripping down a, a Jeep and sending <laughs> it home. That's just... Oh. Yeah. How far had Radar O'Reilly gotten in my last letter to you? I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had mailed the back seats by then. This week he's smuggling out the front seats. It took Trapper and me a while to figure out what he was up to until we did a fluoroscope of one of his packages. And found out he was mailing a Jeep home, piece by piece. Which is, yeah, that, that, <laughs> is, that is funny. And it's funny that, that actually people do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah people, people do that in, 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 every, in every branch of the armed forces, yeah. everywhere. That just blows right. my mind that they can do that. Yeah, I had, I had a, an uncle once who shipped home a battleship. I'm just kidding. Oh, I was going to say, what? You're coming out like a little one, right? <laughs> that explains the, the submarine in the garage. 
Yeah, I loved Henry's uh, lecture on marital sex and how uncomfortable he was uh, talking about this to everybody and, and how Radar was sitting in the front row just on the edge of his seat, just yeah. waiting to hear every moment. It was just... It was fantastic that, you know, that, that lends itself to uh, a lot of, of uh, Radar's character, you know, and how he was so obsessed with women and uh, never had the practical experience. So he wanted to, he wanted to take notes. Yeah, yeah. I did like that part. Yeah. Hey! All right, uh, let's settle down. Uh, this month's topic is uh, marital sex and the family. Louder, Henry. Uh, and the family. The first part. Marital sex. <clears throat> sex. Uh, let's hear it for this month's topic. Uh, just hold it down, okay? It's not actually necessary that any of you officers be present. Only the enlisted personnel are required to attend. Why should they know more than we do? Yeah, I got a date tonight. I want to learn as much as I can. Mm. I mean, uh, <laughs> Let's just can the jokes. I'd like to get right down to the sex. <laughs> I mean, uh, the talk about the, uh, what I'm supposed to talk about. Yeah, one thing that I noticed, though, uh, it's supposed to be December, you know, ice cold. And all throughout the camp, we see the wind blowing. Uh, there's the scene where Trapper's throwing uh, the football back and forth, and the wind is blowing his hair. But if you look at the trees, they're, they're dead still. <laughs> Yeah. Is that what they call a microburst? <laughs> Actually, what was funny is I, that there's well, that particular scene, the background, it's on stage. They're not in the lot. They're not on right. uh, out in the, you know, on the ranch. That's actually on the stage. That backdrop looks horrible. Yeah. I mean, you can you can definitely you definitely know that, you know. I mean, it does it doesn't look like anything like the real thing. Yeah. I really wish they would have taken a picture and blown it up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, so uh, anything else Al? Well, um yeah, the one thing I did notice was uh in this in these earlier especially this episode with uh with uh, Klinger is that he looked older. You know, he had mm. a little bit more gray hair than he does later on in the series. So, I don't yeah. know, maybe they figured out when they wanted to keep him around, they made him look a little bit younger. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think Klinger is a different character in this episode. Uh, yeah. The fact that he's not wearing a dress you know, he was just wearing that red bandana from his mom. Um, him being so violent towards Frank. I mean, you know, if he was trying to get out of the army by being belligerent to his superior officers, I mean, that's one thing. But, you know, he, he wanted a psych to get out. You know, he wanted right. people to think he was crazy. I just, mm. it just, it seemed very, you, you, you knew that they weren't really sure where they were going to take this Klinger yeah. character at the beginning. Klinger? Sir? Where did you get that? Nurse McCarthy gave it to me, sir. I'm talking about that bandana. Oh, that's my good luck. My mom gave me this when I shipped out. Well, take it off. Oh, sir. I want that bandana. I have my mom send you one. Soldier, you're out of uniform. Sir, the nurse said to get these right to the lab. A nurse said? You're placing me under a nurse? You said it. I didn't. Stop! You see what you did? Oh, no. Me. Fellas, fellas. T- what are you, crazy? No, wait! No!
crazy. Go on, scram! Scram! Get out of here! You know, because we saw him very briefly in that one episode, and then they brought him back for this one, and they were still, like you said, they were just trying to establish his character. Yeah, but being belligerent gets in the, gets in the stockade, it doesn't get you out yeah. of the army. Yeah, so yeah. it just, it, 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 to me, it didn't seem very in character. Yeah. With no. them. Especially, I mean, they're, you know, running all over the poor patients. <laughs> I mean, obviously that was for sight gags, but still. We're going to need to clean up on aisle two. <laughs> yeah, I love the ending, too, the way uh, when when Hawkeye is saying Merry Christmas to his dad from from uh, all of his cohorts there. And as he says their name, you know, they show a little uh, brief yes. little clip of each character. I, th- I like that a lot. I have a I note. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. I, I put a little note in my uh, show notes when I was watching that yesterday that that I really enjoyed when they were doing that. Yeah, and Meds, did you notice at the end uh, during the credits, uh, William Cat is actually uh, billed as Bill Cat? Oh, really? Yeah, I thought that's yeah. kind of funny. It just sounds funny, Bill yeah. Cat. Bill Cat. Yeah, I, 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 I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you what do you think of this episode, Meds? Yeah, I really like it. I like the Dear Dad episodes, and um, this is brilliant writing from Larry Gelber. And I think. Later Dear Dad episodes in which Alan Alder had more of a more of a part you know, in creating it, in fact writing it, um, I think Alder takes a lot from Gilbert because it's almost like Alan Alder's wrote this. It's so personal to Hawkeye, mm-hmm. and I like that. I really like that um, because I, I, I Hawkeye is my you know, my favourite character, so I kind of like associate a little bit with him, and I just love the um, the personal points that he has in it and like uh, as we pointed out on uh, podcast squared when we guessed on that that this is the episode that shines for me mm-hmm. the fact that you know you've, you're keeping yourself you're remembering where you come from he comes you know from maine um i, I totally agree kenny with what you say about um about klinger it, it's, it's a totally different character and, and al yeah i mean i, I spotted that as well with, uh, with the fact he looks so old in this with gray hair and he, his face looks like they've, they've aged him slightly it just doesn't seem like the klinger we, we all come to love the the threatening of violence not only in the or where he as, as, as you said over the, the patients, but outside the, the mm, east, yeah. see, it's it's quite actually quite scary the way how um, how violent he is. You know, it's like backstreet, you know, kind of like gangster style uh, violence. I think it doesn't doesn't suit him at all. And I'm glad they they quickly got rid of that and ironed it out, um, especially with the bandana thing. Because I mean, that's obviously quite a, a big thing between gangs. You know, blue and red and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it it doesn't fit very well, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but the the other stuff, you know, we've um, we've Trapper delivering the calf. I love that. I think that was so nice. Whenever the locals want help, invariably it's Trapper John McIntyre they turn to. Whatever it is, it's urgent. Oh, no, don't know. Okay, okay. You take care of the kids. I'll, I'll be back. Okay. Last week, he performed a service that really set him up with the townies. He helped with a difficult delivery that added one more precious life to the village. A bouncing baby veal, for which service the doctor received one gallon of mother's milk. Radar, <laughs> um, as, as you both said, Shipping that jeep home, and the way that you've got the X-ray when when they, when, they, when you see it, it, it's just brilliant. Although we can't pack boxes for hell, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that when he was taping it up, I was thinking that's just going to fall out. Uh, and the Santa suit bit at the end, where the, the the two wounded soldiers look up and they see Santa Claus coming out from the, the helicopter. Holy cow! 
You said there was no Santa Claus, huh? Yeah, it's it's a lovely episode. It's a, it's one of those heartwarming ones. The only the only issue that I have, and Harry, maybe you can help us out here, is this is obviously 1951. Um, and this is Christmas 1951. I, I believe the Korean War only lasted for three years. Mm-hmm. So at most you've got two Christmases or three Christmases. Um, yet we seem to have a good four or five and about six New Year's Eves in, in MASH. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the timeline's fudged with a little bit. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll need to do some more research and see if we can actually get some sort of timeline when these episodes take place. Because, I mean, I assume that these episodes take place... Uh, sequentially, yeah, you know, but I mean, who's to say they don't? I mean, they could be bouncing around, you know, different years. And we just don't know it. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to well, say. Apart, apart from the fact that Trapper wouldn't. Well, yeah, obviously, to... yeah. I mean, we'd have to Trapper would have to be there within a certain amount of time, and then Hawkeye, you know, all the yeah. different characters. But you know, we, they may not be sequentially running at the same time. I mean, we know that they're not shot. Uh, you know they're not shot and shown in the same sequential order, but yeah, there must be some sort of timeline out there. I'll, I'll need to check out and see if I can find something. So, what you what do you think of this episode, Harry? I love that episode. I love all the dear dads episode. Episode it sh- it shows them in the different light, more 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 personal, and and not like like in the insanity of war. Mm-hmm. And and I also like how they establish. Uh, William Christopher trying to sort to sort out all, all all the conflicts. The only thing what I thought is a bit a little odd. In the later epi- episode, we learned that he was a that he not only taught boxing, but that he was actually a featherweight. So a featherweight with a glass stomach. Well, yeah, I, I think we mentioned that in the previous episode where you know we were there where they were trying to find a boxer to box, yeah. and they didn't choose him. I still think that was his in his character at the time. So obviously yeah. he grew, and they're like, "Oh, you know, let's make the father a boxer. That'd be fun." I mean, I I do like I do like the entire Henry's entire sex lecture. Like always that always crack, crack, cracks cracks me up with, uh-huh. with, with all with all with his with his figure A and his figure B. Uh, radar, cover would the you charts, cover the charts. Well, your point, sir. Thank you. The, uh, we start here, we've got your, uh, man and your woman. Uh, which is which? The one with the big hips is the man. Can we have an end to these comments? Some of us happen to be genuinely interested in this subject. I've devoted my life to this subject. At least a good many of the nights. Dirty mind. Well, you know what they say, dirty mind, warm heart. Uh, now, uh, we, uh, Excuse me. The uh, union of uh, figure A, man, and uh, figure B, uh, the uh, woman, (laughs) is the most sublime expression of uh, romantic love. I think it's just funny. The thing I never got is why are only enlisted men as opposed to attended sex lecture. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Officers are supposed to know. Uh, we don't know, want them to know. I, I don't get it. Well, maybe maybe enlisted men are younger boys, you know, 18, 19, and they're just not as experienced as officers. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Or officers go through their own training because, you know, don't you, you have to take a class, right, to become an officer. You just don't get to be an officer. Well, it depends. Uh, some people, like, like doctors, 
uh, during war, especially if they're drafted in, they're always drafted in as an officer. It just depends on your education. Uh, you know, the more education you have, typically the higher rank you'll be awarded. Okay. That yeah, and on the, on the other hand, you, you, could, you could be an, enlist, an, an enlisted man and get a field promotion. Okay. So, yeah, I just think, I don't know. I don't know why they make the officers not do the sex ed, which... Uh, that is, in a later episode, we have, we have the same, same thing where Frank gives his, his lecture why the Korea only the enlisted have to, have, have to take part in that class anyways. Yeah, maybe it's a privilege <laughs> of being an officer. <laughs> I guess You don't so. have to do these classes. Uh, I actually, I really enjoyed this episode. When Blake is giving his, uh, his little sex thing, I thought it was kind of childish of everybody. I mean, I, I, don't, know, understand, I don't understand why he was so embarrassed. I mean, these are, these are all adults that he's talking to. Um, I, maybe it's part of his character to be uncomfortable talking about sex. But, you know, I mean, obviously it didn't help with Trapper and Hawkeye making jokes. And uh, Sir, mm-hmm. uh, what happens in the event that uh, figure A is attracted to figure B and wants to get married, but figure A is already married to, say, figure C, and figure B is engaged to figure D, but figure A can't keep his hands off of figure B because she's got such a great figure? <laughs> I loved Hawkeye's uh, reaction to uh, Margaret. Where he kept winking at her. He kept looking back behind her. That made me laugh. He kept going on and on, and I was just busting up laughing. Very, very, very funny stuff. I like this, too, because this was like a a slice of life type of episode. It was like, this is what happens, you know, in an average day during camp. You know, they're not in surgery. They're just, this is what they do. You know, radar shipping a, a, a Jeep home. And I love the practical jokes. I love the... The, the candle, and they kept blowing it, blowing <laughs> it out over and over. Oh, Frank, the candle. We may be throwing shadows. Right. Frank? Somebody's been fooling with this. It's a gag candle. Oh, why can't people leave us alone? Hey, you think they were all my wife? Oh, Frank! Oh. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, Margaret. I forget that I said that. I did not say that. I didn't hear you say it, Frank. That you know? slapstick comedy is his finest. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. You know, I mean, I, I can't imagine someone really doing that, making a tent collapse completely down. I'll get them off! Each and every day! And getting away with it with no, you know, not that not that Margaret and Burns don't deserve it because they're horrible in their own right, but it's still it's that it's that thing where you just have to not really think about it too much. 
Yeah, the other hand, what what were they going to do? They, they weren't su supposed to fool around in the first place. And that's true. You're right. They are breaking. <laughs> so, so yeah. if I already break the the rules, I can't accuse someone else of breaking the rules. That is true. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that. But yeah, but overall, is I love the Dear Dad episodes, and this was a, a nice introduction to that type of story. Anything else, guys? Oh, I love uh, I loved it when. Uh, when Hawkeye was uh, walking out, getting ready to dress up as Santa Claus, and he comes across uh, Margaret and, and uh, Frank, and he gives Margaret a yes. big, gigantic kiss. Excuse me, sir. Could you hold this, please? Uh, Pierce? Pierce? Captain Pierce! Pierce, are you crazy? It was a Christmas present. If you'd like, I could do it into a stocking. Are you? You are a moral degenerate. Me? A moral degenerate? Santa Claus? <laughs> Margaret, are, are you all right? I'm fine, Frank. Fine. Oh, the man's a, a beast, an animal. Yeah, every bit of him. I love her reaction to that. Her reaction was just priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's such an animal. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, they had that chemistry, and that was later on in the, in the series, but I always thought they had that love-hate type thing. You know, Hawkeye and Houlihan. One lady in our outfit who has no problem at all with her spare time is our chief nurse, Hot Lips Houlihan. The major is a paradox. A woman of considerable passion, she is also a stickler for military correctness. I wouldn't mind making a grab for her myself, but I don't know how to do that and salute her at the same time. As I've written you, Frank Burns and Hot Lips have been an item over here ever since they both laid their beady little eyes on each other. They think no one's wise, but the only one over here who doesn't know about their romance is General MacArthur's pipe stuffer. Frank plays it very cool at all times. He and Hot Lips had a date the other night, but was the last thing Frank would admit. We're going to move on to our trivia. Ah, there we go again. Yay, <laughs> trivia. Here we go. I'm going to start with Al. Yippee. <laughs> Who threw up the first time he had to patch up a combat soldier? Oh, I'm thinking it was BJ. Very good. It was. Welcome to Korea was the episode. The, his very first appearance in the series. Yeah, very good. All right, let's go ahead and go with Harry. Okay. All right, here we go. Who was the waitress at Seoul and Seoul's Deli that Hawkeye dated? I think I stumped him, guys. <laughs> I have no clue. Lefty. Oh. I have no idea. Didn't have a clue about that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go, Mad Sisters for you. Who told Hawkeye that Trapper had left for home? Uh, that was Vida. Yeah, very good. All right, Joyce, here's one for you. During Colonel Blake's final staff inspection, what did he help Klinger do? I don't know. He? Do you guys know? Anybody? Yeah, I do. Do you guys know? No. What did he do? Zip up his, zip up his yep. dress. Yep, zip up the dress. That was the answer. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can see it now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go. That's, uh, Harry's going to do one for me. Who said he did three amputations before his first breakfast at MASH? 
He did three amputations before his first breakfast at MASH. Um... My God, I have no idea. Uh, I'll, uh, BJ. Exactly. <laughs> All right, that's a good guess. <laughs> yeah, well done. I, I figured he's one of the doctors, but I don't, even, I don't even remember when he said that. Mm. Uh, he's, he said that in, in, in the interview episode. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I do remember that one. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and do one for our listeners. Following his final staff inspection, Colonel Blake turned to Margaret and did what? So the question is, following his final staff inspection, Colonel Blake turned to Margaret and did what? Email your answers to mash4077podcast at gmail.com. Well, that's obvious. He, he inspected her for a staff infection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Blake's a good doctor and a pretty good Joe. As a commanding officer, well, it's a bit like being on a sinking liner, running to the bridge and finding out the captain is Daffy Duck. But more about old Henry later. All right, it's time for our behind the scenes. First up, we have this was the first episode to use an epistle as part of the narrative, a device that would be used in later episodes. This is also the first episode of the Dear Dad theme in which Hawkeye communicates with his father in some way, uh, shape, or form, mostly through letters. Uh, Gene Reynolds directed 22 episodes of MASH, his last being episode 122. He also wrote or co-wrote six episodes and provided a further six storylines. When Pierce, dressed in the Santa Claus outfit, is being sent out by Henry to perform field surgery, Trapper volunteers to go, but Henry decides to send Pierce because the wound is a chest case, implying that Pierce is more qualified chest surgeon than Trapper. There's an infantry squad pinned down on Hill 28, 20 miles up. They're caught in heavy crossfire. Their corporal's been hit bad and needs cutting Prado if he's going to make it. How do I get there? Trapper's waiting. Here you go, Santa. Wait a minute, I'll go. No, it's a chest wound. It better be Pierce. However, in the movie, Trapper is brought in specifically because he's a qualified chest surgeon. Mm. So it's another change from the movie. Mm -hmm. This is the first of three appearances by Buck Young as three different characters. The last is episode 80, and Buck Young sounds like he should be in a different line of work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is the first time that Burns mentions that he has a wife. Hmm. Yeah, this is when, uh, yeah. when Margaret yeah, freaks yeah. out about it. I don't think this yeah. is the first time she hears about it. She no. must know he has a wife, but this is the first time the audiences find out that he actually has a wife. That's a, does Frank wear a wedding ring? I don't think so. I don't know. Well, that's a good mm. question. Does he? Yeah. What? Does Frank wear a wedding ring? Yes, he does. Oh, he does. All right. 14 carat right. cheap. 14 carat cheap. We have another continuity issue here. When Hawkeye is in the mess tent, Trapper can be seen sitting at the next table. But when Hawkeye walks outside, Trapper's outside throwing the football around. He's very fast. Yeah, he's really <laughs> quick. <laughs> yeah, and uh, here's another continuity error. Uh, in Dear Dad, Hawkeye mentions that uh, winters are cold home in uh, Vermont. In almost every other instance, from the book MASH to the final episode Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, Hawkeye's home is in Crabapple Cove, Maine. In the uh, late Captain Pierce, Hawkeye tells Klinger that his house is in Crabapple Cove, and it's the only it's only their summer cottage. But in the party, he says his father hasn't left Crabapple Cove for years. Kind of strange. Yeah, that that you know, I think Hawkeye's family because we still don't know if he has a dad and a mom and a sister in some episodes, and some he doesn't. And 
you know, I think they're just still filling out the character and. I mean, I, to me, he's in, he's from Crabapple Cove, Maine. Yeah. I mean, the majority of the episodes, that's where he said he's from, and that his dad lives there and has been a doctor, you know, all his life there. So, that's yeah, to me, that's how I see the story. And he brings only up his sister in one episode. Yeah. yeah. And his sister completely disappears. Yeah. Uh, we have another continuity uh, fault here. Uh, the gag candle in Hot Lips tent becomes much shorter after her cut collapses. <laughs> yeah, obviously that it must have taken a while to shoot because that candle kept burning, burning, burning down to nothing. Uh, we have another continuity in the same scene is when the pudding in Margaret's pillow is obviously not yet there when the cot collapses. So when it collapses and she falls back, it's a long shot. And then when they do a, a cut in and a close up of her, she pulls her hand out and there's pudding in it. <laughs> so obviously it wasn't initially in there, but it is for the close ups. Uh, and we're th- hoping it was pudding. Yeah. <laughs> well, she said it was pudding, so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that's going to do it for our behind the scenes. You guys have anything else on this episode? No, love this one. No, Sammy, I loved it. All right, so I think this is a favorite among all of ours. Pierce? Yes, ma'am. I'm here to relieve you. You do resemble an enema. You're beat, Captain. I suggest you hit the sack this afternoon instead of chasing nurses. A good idea, Frank, but some of those girls have been waiting for months. Well, whatever you do, I want to see you shave the next time I see you. I shaved this morning. Well, shave again, and this time take one step closer to the razor. Ah, very good. Frank, you are 10 of the most boring people I know. All right, so let's go ahead and mention where people can find us on the Internet. You can find us all over the place. In fact, you can be our friend on Facebook. You can follow us at www.facebook.com forward slash mash 4077 podcast. And you can like us. Make sure you like us on Facebook. Like. We, we like to be liked. Like, like, like. like. <laughs> like. And then you can even poke us if you want. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. You can follow us on Twitter at MASH4077Podcast. And you can find us online at www.MASH4077Podcast.com. You can listen to our podcast there. You can download our podcast. And you can also see show notes. And check out the blog at www mash4077podcast.blogspot.com <laughs> And remember, you can email us your thoughts, comments, and uh, obviously email us your bank details to mash407 <laughs> to mash4077podcast at gmail.com And that's also where you can send any complaints you have about meds. <laughs> And they'll all be from Al. Well, yes. <laughs> Especially about the way he pronounces aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Do you guys have anything else on this episode, uh, dear dad? Uh, no. Excellent episode. No. Brilliant episode. Cool. All right. So I'm Kenny. I'm Simon. I'm Al. I'm Harry. And I'm Joyce. And we'll be seeing you. P.S. Dad, I almost forgot to wish a Merry Christmas from everyone at MASH. Trapper McIntyre. Henry Blake, even Frank Burns, Hot Lips Houlihan, future used car dealer Radar O'Reilly, Ginger Bayless, Father Mulcahy, Corporal Klinger, all the ladies of the ensemble, and of course me, your loving son, an unsuccessful draft dodger. 
Hawkeye. Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Jenny. We're the host of Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast for the award-winning web series, The Guild. We're not like your typical fan podcasts. Both Jenny and I have worked on several seasons of The Guild and take our listeners behind the scenes to share our fun and crazy times on set. We also have exclusive interviews with cast, crew, and fans of The Guild. We keep you up to date on General Guild news and the latest happenings of our cast and crew. So please give us a listen on iTunes or at knightsoftheguild.com. Hi, I'm Al. And I'm Joyce. And, and we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the place so much we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth. In our show, Tales from the Mouse House, we'll discuss some news and updates on the Disneyland Resort, reveal some amazing little-known and often overlooked gems we call hidden treasures, and we'll also review some of the rides and attractions that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And we'll review some places to satisfy your hunger attacks, as well as offer up some tips and tricks that we've uncovered over the years that can help you get the most out of your Disneyland Resort vacation. Check out Tales from the Mouse House. In iTunes. Hello there, my name is Med. And this is David Frost. You're not David Frost. Oh, I mean, this is Mark. And we are the present. Mark! Alright, get on with it! Okay. And we're the presenters of Waffle on Podcast. And we like to talk about crap. TV broadcast between 1960 to 1999. Would you say it's crap? Some of it. Really? <laughs> Especially the British stuff. But we've already had a podcast about that, so let's move up on that. Unbelievable. You can find us at the http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. Do not smile when I say the word colon. Oh, I'm not. It's time for another episode of MASH 4077 Podcast. I'm Kenny, and I'm here today with my... Special buddies. Oh, that makes you sound special. <laughs> <laughs> I can count to four. It's time for another episode of the MASH 4077 podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that Lots blooper needs to be at the end. Oh, I just took like an in breath. Oh, I almost choked on my own breath here. <clears throat> All right, here we go again. Frank berates Klinger for wearing a ban- bandana. <laughs> so I thought he said banana. <laughs> and this is the first. Uh, this was the first episode to use. Oh my god, that's right. I even phonetically spelled it out there. <laughs> and we had some terrific guest stars in this episode, including Jamie Farr as. What did you write in there? <laughs> Jamie Farr loves Al. 